0: This is the WorkSmart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 258, Scott Sandlin's HypnoThoughts Platinum Keynote, live from San Diego.
1: Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette.
0: Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, recording actually outdoors right now in a rather nice location in San Diego, talking about Scott Sandlin, who happens to be here right now.
1: I sure do. Talking about and at Scott Sandlin, I might say.
0: Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) And what you're about to listen to is actually the keynote that happened Friday evening at HypnoThoughts Platinum, an event that happened in gorgeous San Diego. Why are we doing this audio? This is really nice out here.
1: It is nice out here. We should probably be doing this video actually.
0: Which uh, too late, let's keep rolling here. Which for those that missed HypnoThoughts Platinum, give them like an overview of what this event was. So the idea of
1: HypnoThoughts Platinum is to to balance out HypnoThoughts Live. You know, HypnoThoughts Live is the largest hypnosis conference in the world and it's about diversity and fun and a wide range of topics and being exposed to new stuff. HypnoThoughts Platinum is about a deep dive for people who are ready to do, do that sort of good to great thing in their careers and really build their skill sets. Where <laughs> HypnoThoughts Live is like diverse, this is deep and that's what we were up to. So I, I wanted the keynote to reflect that and really be about deeper insights into my perspective and, and what I see in the profession. Which right as now.
0: a side note, this is something that you've all been doing with HypnoThoughts Live for a couple of years now. This was a sort of more concentrated version of this that even though yes we are talking about a conference that you can't sign up for because it just happened that being said stick around to your emails in a few months the videos are going to be available at some point yeah but even at hypno thoughts live there are now these four-hour workshop time slots mm-hmm. where it's not just a sampling it's a true deep dive into the content
1: yeah we think it's it makes sense to give people an opportunity to get a, a richer amount of the material i mean being exposed to things in one hour increments is a great thing. And anybody who says, well, you can't teach in one hour, eh, shut up, we can provide you a can. lot of value <laughs> in an hour. I provide value to my clients in one hour, many of you do as well. So this idea that you can't teach in an hour is silly. That said, you can teach more than four times as much in four hours just because economies of scale. So we wanted to create opportunities for those deep dives.
0: Yeah. So give us the framework, which by the way, check out htlive.net. That's yep. where they can find information for thoughts Live. August 14, 15, 16 in Las Vegas. I can remember dates. But set the stage for the keynote that they're about to listen to.
1: Okay, so the the keynote was really my my perspective on where we are as a profession. A little bit of a state of the union kind of thing. And intentionally provocative. And to start a couple conversations. One of them circles back around the idea of the pros and cons of licensure. And to be clear, I am not pro-orc on that. My jury is completely out. I really have not made up my mind on if it's a good idea or not, but I recognize there are some good things worth discussing and some potential problems. Also, the leadership and where the leadership is in our profession right now is sort of the state of that.
0: And I also hear this internet thing is taking
1: off. Yeah, I think it's important (laughs) to say that there's been a lot of disruption in our profession by the internet. And I just talked about my front row seat for that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so we're going to jump right in here we go this is episode number 258 scott sandlin's hypnothoughts platinum san diego keynote let's start by saying thank you thank you
1: to the awesome presenters the six of you who said i'm not really sure what you guys are doing this is your first one but we like you, so yes. So, first of all, round of applause to our six awesome presenters. Yeah. Most mostly Kelly Let's, if we're being honest. The second thank you I want to share is to a person who I never get to say thank you to when she's in front of us because she's always too busy, and that is Stephanie Skiba, who is everything. And to a much lesser extent, I'd like to also thank Richard Clark, um, without whom most of this would not be necessary. Uh, Richard, thank you. And, And I mean it. Thank you to you guys. We said we're doing a new thing. You know, we've got a big thing in Vegas. You all know that. And we said we want to do something different. We want to do something intentionally intimate. We want to do something intentionally a little bit more thoughtful. We wanna do something that's geared not towards the wide road of everybody, but intentionally something that is geared towards people who are ready to take a next step in their career. And we asked you to join us. and, And thank you for being the people who said, I'm coming. So thank you to you guys as well. And round of applause for yourself, please. So I see clients, that's my job. Right? I'm a clinician. People, people sometimes forget that about me. They think, oh, you're the guy who does hypnothoughts. No, I have an office. I see clients. And yesterday, I had, my last client of the day was at three o'clock. You know, I ended early. And Stephanie knows that my three o'clock client yesterday, because Stephanie runs all of my life, my three o'clock client's a pain in the ass, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's maybe my largest hassle of a client. And she's getting great results, She's really happy. And she came in. This was her fifth session. And she came in for insomnia. She was getting about two hours of sleep a night. And she's now getting about seven hours of sleep a night. But she wakes up a couple times, and so we're just ironing that out. And so she comes in. How's it going? And she said, you know, I'm sleeping. And she tells me what she tells me. And I was like, oh, so the hypnosis is working. And she goes, well, (laughs) I don't believe in hypnosis. But something's happening, and I think you're responsible. She's a pain. And I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, and she said this sentence. She says, I'm not the kind of person who believes in hypnosis. And I said, so why'd you give me two grand? And she said, well, the doctor said you could help. And I said, and? And she goes, thank you. You've given me my life back. You've given me the... uh, and all the stuff that our happy clients say to us. And she said all those things, and it's wonderful. And she credited me, not hypnosis, because she's not the kind of person who believes in hypnosis. She said, I don't believe in hypnosis, but I believe something important is happening, and I believe you're responsible. And that sentence was echoing in my head on the drive down here, because it's interesting, because I don't know what it could have been besides the hypnosis, that would make me so special (laughs) that would change her behaviors. A couple of you have heard me say this. If If the profession of hypnosis came to me as a client, I would fire that client for not being ready to change. It is a resistant, stubborn, pain in the ass client, just like this woman. I have been doing this job my entire adult life. It is the only job I have ever had. For a little while, for two, maybe three years, I was the youngest in the world. I had wonderful mentors because of that. I was doing this before my freshman year of college. And so that means I've been in a lot of different seats in a lot of different rooms. I have been the very, very lonely nobody at conferences that can't go to an event like this because they're serving alcohol. I have been Michael Watson, who some of you know, great guy, wonderful mentor for the IMDHA, for which I am now a life fellow and board member. But at one point, he said he watched me in a two-year period change from the kid that was showing up and no one knew why to the golden child that michael elner had anointed and i got to see those perspectives and i got put on the board of directors for the imdha and then the imdha got sold and i watched the sale of the the organization and i watched that part of our profession as a business and i watched the organization politics change and people get removed from boards because of politics. And it, it jaded me in an interesting way. Some of you who've known me for a long time know my naivete is, is still fairly strong all these years later. Richard Clark and I were having a conversation about the organizations, I don't know, maybe seven, six years ago. And I said, they see me and they think my kindness is a weakness. And Richard goes, you think they're wrong? <laughs> and uh, I've had an interesting perspective on the industry. And I want to talk to you guys about that tonight, because we're talking about a group of people that want to take the next step in their career. And I think we're in an interesting spot with where we exist with the politics, with the, the technology, and the modality. And I want to talk about each of those. The... Certifying bodies that exist right now in the profession aren't going to exist in a few years. We are in a really interesting time of change. Like I said, I'm on a board of directors. I'm a life fellow. I'm on, I I think I still am, uh, on the ethics board for the American Council of Hypnotist Examiners. I look great on paper, guys. But I know, I understand now why that's the politics. But I've been in the room, I've talked to the people, and none of them were ready for the internet. William Mitchell, who has a conference right now that we'll get to it in a second. William and I were sitting at the Mid-America Hypnosis Conference, sitting next to each other during the keynote nine years ago. And the guy giving the keynote was a smart guy named Scott Giles, who some of you know. Scott's a smart guy. Scott said, the internet is going to change the profession of hypnosis because it's going to shrink everything and the two major organizations will get bigger and anything else will shrink. And I looked at William. I said, that is the opposite of correct. And it's not and I told you so, but look at what's happening. We have everything growing, lots of grassroots stuff. That's one of the neat things about the internet. It's democratizing stuff, right? It gives everybody an equal voice. 15 years ago... Only organizations with giant mailing lists had any real authority. And they used that mailing list and that financial leverage to influence presenters and trainers into being part of them. Now it is easier for us to generate our own mailing list than it is to necessarily play by their rules, to pay our dues. Now, I came up in the time where I had to pay my dues, and I did. And that's great, and I'm happy that I did. And I built my own mailing list with hypnothoughts.com we got together and the community of us went from zero to 28,000, which made it a larger mailing list than any hypnosis organization. So they started treating me differently. And I watched the business side of this. And the organizations told me over and over, the internet is not gonna change this profession. They also told me, you can't learn
0: hypnosis
1: online. And I said, Harvard's teaching psychology online. Don't you think if Harvard can teach psychology online, we might be able to do that with the Elman induction? I don't know. Apparently the mail-order DVDs were fine, but once it was going through a modem, all bets were (laughs) off. So they missed. And they're scrambling because of it. Now, these are friends of mine. I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this because we need to be paying attention to what's happening around us. Those organizations are now stepping on each other's toes a little bit. And the idea of an event like this, the idea of something that's more than a workshop, something more than an individual class, something where we're getting multiple trainers together. Richard Nongard, who's a great friend of mine, uh, just had his event, the ICBCH Winter Conference, a few days ago. And we are stepping on his toes by being here. And that's, I want to be really clear, that was because of a mistake that we made. And and Richard and I talked about it, we all talked about it, and everything's great, there's no politics, there's no sniping, there's no anything like that. But it's Richard, in response, wrote a wonderful article, blog post, about how there were nine new conferences showing up in 2019. Nine! After a couple decades of no new conferences, after a couple decades of no one could challenge those incumbents, No one could go up against those giant organizations. There were nine new ones in one year. And and he accurately credited Hypnothoughts Live as the tipping point of that, as the turning point in that momentum. And and Hypnothoughts Live, because we had that mailing list, because we had great relationships, and because we had wonderful support from people exactly like and including you guys, We were able to shift things, and a lot of people saw that, and a lot of people did some math on headcounts and dollars per butt in seats, and they said, I want to get in on that. And some of those conferences are wonderful, and some of those conferences are absolutely not. And I'm not here to, you know, pick and and do all that. I I don't mean to do that, but an example is William Mitchell, who I said a moment ago, we will get back to William has a conference called the Heartland Hypnosis Conference. It's a small regional conference. About 100 people go to it, maybe 125, something like that. But it's good. And it's, it's targeted and it's trying to be something, and it's being that thing. And this year, the IMDHA is going to be on the exact same week. So we have two conferences now on the same weekend. We had ours you know, a week after ICBCH. We have IHF and ACHE coming up right in between those two conferences that I just named. There's a ton of stuff stacking up. We are at what I consider the fuzzy front end of the big change in hypnosis right now. It's fuzzy. We don't really get what's going on. Uh, There are some people who are really doing their best to do great work there and to help and provide value and have an ethos that they're sharing. There are other people who are trying to do a cash grab. That's true for any profession and any opportunity, there will be opportunists. And so hopefully in this fuzzy front end, the better opportunities will succeed and the opportunists will fail, I hope. I don't know that that's true, that's not always the case, but I think we have good discerning people here. And we have good presenters. The presenters have started recognizing that, and the presenters have started recognizing they don't have to just back people because there's money in that event. They can start backing people whose ethos they believe in and support, and I think that's a really great thing. So this fuzzy front end that we are necessarily operators within, right? There's that expression, a fish doesn't know it's swimming in water, right? The follow-up thought to that is, If humans can't see air, can fish even see water? And then can fish see the air? It gets weird fast. I'm not going to dig into it. Um, I want us to all be aware of the water we're swimming in. And we're swimming in water with current. And we're swimming in water that's changing right now. We have to make some really important decisions about what we want this profession to be. Because the organizations that have led us are currently playing catch-up and they can't lead they are my friends they are wonderful people who have done a bunch of great work for this profession they are currently not in a position of leadership they are catching up I say that with sincere respect and in some cases reverence for the people involved but the situation is is these are the people that want to help others these are the people that want to shape a career path and a profession that's designed towards providing a life for yourself, providing a life for your family, providing a life of success and making a difference. That old Steve Jobs expression, to make a dent in this world. These are the kinds of people who want to do that. And so we need to talk about how we can navigate that because we don't have the authoritarian central leadership and bribes and financial leverage that we had guiding us a decade ago. It has to be different. Two years ago, I gave a keynote at Hypnothoughts Live where I said, I am trying to use community and fun to manipulate this profession. I said it then, I meant it then, and I mean it now. I want to manipulate this profession. And I don't mean that for the sake of I'm in charge. I want to help be because I've been in a lot of seats. And I've seen a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to see, because a lot of people forgot that the lonely kid who was then the golden child was in the room. The first two years I was on a board of directors, I asked then the founder and president of the IMDHA. Her name's Ann Spencer. Most of you have never even heard her name, because she sold the organization so many years ago. I said. You're putting me on the board. I'm a child. What do you want me to do? She said, I want you to shut up and learn because every the rest of us are old and someday you're going to be the only one left. So I want you to pay attention. So I did. I was really fortunate that she put me in that room. We I think maybe will end up being fortunate that she was cool enough to put me in that room and the Paul Durbin's and the Michael Elner's and all these people who passed away gave me advice, they gave me insights, and they told me about what needs to happen from their perspective. I'm a nerd, I'm a technologist. I understand the internet, I understand technology, and I understand how it shapes relationships. And we are in a position where leadership needs to change. And it can be much more democratized than ever before. It can be much more grassroots than ever before. That's really exciting. It really is, because it's not just about message boards. It's not just about hypnothoughts.com or Facebook groups. Those are great. They really are. But it's about how small the world has become. It's about the fact that I know deeply in relationships 25 hypnotists who don't live in America... I have the cell phone numbers of another 50. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, how cool am I? I'm saying, how cool is this? How cool is it that we know these people from other countries, from other walks of life, from other specialties and subspecialties within our career path? We didn't have this before. So we've got to figure out what we want to do with it. So I want to talk about the modality for a second. Because the modality is doing great. The industry is in turmoil. But the modality is better than it's ever been. The innovations that are being done in our path is just so fun to watch. The... The fundamental skills that a lot of people are getting that they couldn't get before, the ability to practice and get feedback at a rapid scale is better than it's ever been before. The the ability to learn from people who aren't geographically proximal to you is better than it's ever been before. So the modality is really, really succeeding. And it's easier than ever before for you to compare apples to apples. And to find the trainers and the voices and the styles and perspectives that fit with you, that resonate with your skills and your just sort of innate abilities. And to be exposed to stuff that doesn't fit. And to be exposed to stuff that doesn't fit in a way that allows you to respect people who are doing things a different way instead of just thinking of it as other, out there, and alien. But to look and see that that means that's that person who does things in a way that's alien or other, is actually a referral opportunity and a referral source for you that's the democratization of our modality that's making where we are so awesome and it's so much fun to watch it really is profoundly fun and so it brings me back to this sentence as I think of where our industry is and where our people and our modality are. I wonder, sometimes I think, I don't believe in hypnosis. I know something's working. Something's changing. I think you're responsible. When I say responsible, I really mean that in a multitude of ways. You're responsible because you're making it happen. And because you're making it happen, you're responsible. We need to figure out what we want to do. We need to talk about what we want this to be. I've talked to the guys who were in the room when they killed the legislature to make hypnosis a state licensed therapy in the state of California. Talk to the people who were in the room. It was ready to go. In California, hypnotherapy was going to be state-licensed, just like acupuncture, just like chiropractic. And I talked to the people who intentionally killed it. And I've asked them why. And the answers were self-serving. The answers were self-serving. One of them said, I have a big school. The day it becomes state-licensed, I'm competing with UCLA. So I shut it down. See, the history of hypnosis, I don't know how many of you actually studied the history of hypnosis, but if you actually do your homework on it, you can see a series of opportunities we had, and then we screwed them up, and a couple people got rich. There's five or six moments in the history of our profession where we could have done things right and lived up to our potential, and instead, a couple people got rich, okay? I'm telling you right now, with complete certainty, we are on the fuzzy front end of one of those right now. And the difference is, we are in the absence of that leadership that could have steered us in the wrong direction, and historically has, not those specific people, but those specific roles. So we get to pick. We get to do a bunch of really cool stuff we are in a really happy position. We are in a really fortunate spot. I heard someone say America right now is in a neat spot. It's like being in the fall of Rome, but with Wi Fi. And, uh, and we need to be having better conversations. We need to be having more candid uncomfortable conversations the fact that i'm saying this the fact that it's being recorded and the fact that someone i'm talking about right now is going to be mad at me about this and i'm certain my phone's going to ring anytime this gets distributed oh yeah that's going to go up on youtube and i'm my phone's going to ring from people who are not thrilled they're not psyched but you know what they miss the internet The defining technology on the planet. They missed it. And that matters. Because we didn't. Okay. Cool. What do we want? If you could reshape hypnosis right now, as an industry, as a profession, if you were the king of all hypnotists and got to run it, what would it be like in three years? And what would you have to do to get it there? If you could fast forward three or five years into the future and decide what hypnosis was going to be like as a profession... And then look back and say, and here are the changes we needed to make, some of which were kind of uncomfortable but totally worth it. What would those be? I'm genuinely asking you to ask that of yourself and of the friends and colleagues that you respect because we are absolutely and totally there right now. Don't miss it. This is fun. This moment happens very rarely, and we're in the driver's seat if we choose to be, and we get to decide where we point this thing. Are you asking us that question? I am now, yeah, go ahead, Standardized Kelly. Standardized training. Standardized training, fantastic. Standardized training becomes the obvious follow-up, who gets to standardize it, right? It's an important thing. Standardized training is a fantastic thing that I hope happens. No. What, uh, she brought up the concept of marketing and and the the quality of work that can be done And I think even like jump up a level beyond that and a PR campaign for the modality Right remember that like pork the other white meat chicken. It's what's for dinner You know all these councils have grouped together the dairy council has created, you know those kinds of things where people are working together I want to talk to you about a fun thing about working together One second. Yeah, I'll get to you in just one second Ed. six years ago I went to all the organizations and all the conferences and I said, hey guys, I don't know if you noticed, but I now have the biggest mailing list-ish. I've been to all your conferences and I've been super supportive. I'm on your boards, you guys like me, I like you. I'm a clinician, we're cool. I don't know if you notice my conference is growing and all of yours is shrinking. How about I offer you a bunch of cash to partner with me? I offered every organization the same deal. I offered all of them more money over five years, than they've made over the last five years. Made them a really good offer. Not a single one of them said anything nice in reply. Yeah, and these are friends of mine, and they all said curt responses on something along the lines of, uh, How dare you? You think you can? And I was like, I was like, guys, I, I want you to be the heroes. I want to combine. Everything. I want there to be synergy instead of separation. I think there's an opportunity here and I'm happy to be the guy that makes you go down in history as the hero. And by the way, you'll make the money. I don't need to make the money. I don't need the credit. I just think it's the right thing for all of us. And all of them said, look, I'm making money the way I am. Why would I change things? All of them would, every single one of them, would have made more money with that plan than they ended up with over the last five years. That's what the dinosaurs said. Yeah, exactly, right? And so, the idea of teamwork is semi-foreign to them in some ways. And so, we as members of those organizations, as dues-paying members, should give them that feedback if we want to. And by the way, that offer, I have rescinded. (laughs) That offer is not on the table anymore they had that opportunity. Uh, Ed, you had a comment. I think we should reach out to younger people. You think we should reach out to younger people? I think YouTube videos has done a fantastic job of engaging, and what's his name from America's Got Talent? Jason, you know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, Chris Jones, thank you. Yeah, Chris on America's Got Talent, Darren Brown has done, although Darren Brown has made a bunch of weirdos in the UK get into it too, let's not kid ourselves. (laughs) There's some wonderful UK hypnotists, but some really weird ones, and that's Darren's fault, end of list. (laughs) But no, we have a little bit of pop culture going for us, a little. And reaching out to young kids, which goes back to PR, which goes back to this opportunity. There's not a lot of hypnotistic career day, right? We could do something with that. We could, we could get us to be more legitimized. I don't know if you guys have heard this sentence, but about 10 years ago, for about, or about 20 years ago for that 10-year period, I kept hearing, hypnosis is right now where acupuncture was 11 years ago. Is oddly specific. Yeah, 11 Why was it always 11? Because I heard that for about 14 years. (laughs) And they just kept saying, hypnosis is right where acupuncture was 11 years ago. And so has anyone done the homework on that? I looked it up because I'm a nerd. They were right. We were right where acupuncture was. And then we did all the exact opposite things. Leadership that guided us to intentionally do the exact opposite things. Training standards legislation state licensure objective standards all those things that we said hypnosis is an art it can't be measured it can't be judged i was like movies are judged they have critics food is criticized mute all art has critics and is judged why is hypnosis the special thing that can't be that's a dumb sentence also oh by the way uh, roy hunter hates when i say this um <laughs> Roy wrote a book that was one of my favorite books for a long time called The Art of Hypnosis. Right? We've all read the book. Anybody here who has not yet read The Art of Hypnosis? Oh, read it. It's very good. It's a great book. Yeah, yeah, Xander. Yeah. I'll get you one for your birthday, buddy. The Art of Hypnosis is a great book. I have realized in the last couple of years that hypnosis is not an art. It's not an art. You go to the Louvre, you look at art, and you get to spend time sitting there looking at it and appreciating it at your own time. Hypnosis is a craft. Because if you build a chair and I can't sit in it or it breaks, that's not a chair, right? There is a utility. Your hypnosis has to work. It has to work in time. It can't just be art. That's sophistry. There has to be a utility function to it. And in that utility, we can measure that. We can audit that if we're willing to be audited. And everything that you guys have said requires that. And what the organizations have done is protect you with, it's an art, you don't have to be audited. You don't have to be accountable. You don't have to be responsible. You're a special artist, you beautiful snowflake. (laughs) You're the only one like you and that's great. No, not good enough for me. I'm saying we, if we want to, can do something really special starting now in the fuzzy front end of this profession, in this weird metamorphic time in our industry, we can decide what we want to transform into, if anything at all. We're not going to get legislated out of existence. We're not. The financial incentive for the states, it just doesn't make sense. Unless some people get really, really hurt, we're fine. So don't be scared. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that there are more and more conferences from people who don't see clients because it's the way they make money. What happens is there's more and more people fighting over table scraps instead of recognizing how much there is. There is so much. There are more people studying marriage and family therapy in the state of California today than there are full-time hypnotists on the planet. That's a wasted opportunity for us to use the tools we have to help people who need it. And we are the ones who need to fix it. Because more and more, I don't believe in hypnosis. But I believe something awesome is happening, and you're responsible. So I want to just end this by saying thank you. Thank you for being responsible. Thank you for making so many great changes in so many people's lives that we can come to things like this. Thank you for caring about helping so many more people. Thank you for wanting to share your insights instead of just making hundreds of dollars an hour you get on a plane to come teach people. And by the way, all six presenters took a pay cut to present here because they're committed to that idea. That's awesome, yeah, please. That's walking the walk, that's practicing what they preach. We need to be inspired by that example, and I hope you guys will. We have two more awesome days with four more awesome presenters. This is the start of a conversation that's intentionally provocative. I hope I provoked a couple of you. And I hope I provoked you enough to talk to each other about it and to talk to people who weren't here to hear this. And I hope whoever's mad at me when these videos show up on the internet, call me. I'd love to chat. Thank you. Oh,
0: thank you guys very much. Thank you. Jason Lynette thank you so much for joining us and Scott we'll toss it over to you where can they go to check out HypnoThoughts Live?
1: At htlive.net if you guys are interested in learning more check it out there also go to we have a Facebook group that's really active I don't know if you guys have heard of Facebook it's working <laughs> um, check out the Facebook group HypnoThoughts Live you'll get to know a lot of the presenters before you come to Vegas
0: and we'll link to all that in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com see you in Vegas.
1: Thanks for listening to the Work
0: Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.